Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good yes. Thank you, Gabe. That was the best good morning I've got. Welcome to Old Providence Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church. What a blessing it is to be with you all this morning and to have this opportunity to worship with you. And I welcome you, whether you're a lifelong member or maybe a brand new visitor or somewhere in between. We are simply delighted that the Lord has brought you here, that he has done so, that, that, that you might worship him and worship him we shall. But first, last week we went back and forth and back and forth and finally Saturday night the session's worship committee decided to cancel services due to the likelihood of winter weather. And y'all, I left my house at 6.30 in the morning. It was sleeting and I thought, okay. And then nothing happened after that, but thank you for your understanding. Realize, and y'all that have been here, visitors may not know this, but realize weather does work a little bit different up here. What's rain on the interstate in 11 is often snow and ice up here just because of the elevation. And we try to make wise decisions and, uh, and we appreciate your understanding in that. Let me also say thank you to our open door class. <coughs> Excuse me, if you were here for the breakfast, wow, you know that it was wonderful time, wonderful food, so thank you all for doing that. I don't know what the numbers were in terms of how many people and that sort of thing. <coughs> Excuse me, I shouldn't have had so much sausage gravy. I've got a frog in my throat. <coughs> anyway, um, but what a wonderful time. And really, thank you all so much for uh, for. for goodness, for blessing us in that way. Let me just warn you, <clears throat> that was a fisherman's friend cough drop, okay? It looks like cat food, but it doesn't taste nearly as good. So <laughs> the scowl that I may have now, it's not fire and brimstone. It's just I'm, I'm dealing with that. But nevertheless, um, thank you so much to the Open Door class for that. As far as announcements go, we got a lot of things going on um, in the church right now. It's the new year. Things are cranking up. If you've looked at your bulletin, you know some of those things. We've got a session meeting today at 3.30. The deacons are meeting tonight at 5 o'clock. We have youth group and little lambs both. Little lambs isn't in the bulletin, but we have youth group and little lambs tonight at 5.30. Women's ministries Tuesday, or excuse me, Thursday at 10. Home Bible study with the Pattersons Tuesday at 7. Uh, prayer meeting 6.45 Wednesday. Again, lots and lots of things. So just be aware of what's in your bulletin. It's all in there. Now, one more thing. Uh, Y'all, uh, as we consider this new year, let me encourage you to get involved, right? Lots of things happening. Our committee structure is really starting to crank up. Had one committee meeting this past week. If you're interesting in interested in serving, uh, please let me know and we can get you plugged in. But, uh, but we're excited that the Lord has given us so many opportunities to work together on so many things. Now, all of that being said, again, welcome to Old Providence. We are so glad that you're here, and what a wonderful opportunity the Lord has given us to come together. Let's prepare our hearts now for worship as Donna leads us in the prelude.
This year, as it's a new year, we are making our way through the book of Psalms for our call to worship on Sunday morning. The book of Psalms is the ancient songbook of Israel, right? And it contains so many praises of the Lord and, and different types of psalms. But today we come to Psalm 3, where David writes, and this is as he fled from his son Absalom at the time of the uprising. He said, Lord, how my foes increase. There are many who attack me. Many say about me, there is no help for him in God. But you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cry aloud to the Lord and he hears me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of thousands of people who have taken their stand against me on every side. Rise up, Lord. Save me, my God. You strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. May your blessing be on your people. My friends, certainly <clears throat> our circumstances differ from King David in ancient Israel. We are not the king having to deal with an uprising. However, this idea of our enemies mounting up against us, this idea of trouble, of difficulty in life is something that we are all familiar with. And the cries of David can and should be our cries today. For as David said, so it is with us. The Lord hears your prayers. The Lord is quick to respond and he responds with salvation. What a blessed thing it is to know the Lord. Now, let's go to him in prayer, after which we will pray the Lord's Prayer and confess the Apostles' Creed together. But let's go to him now. Our God and our Father, we praise you for bringing us here. We praise you that your word is true, that salvation comes from you and you alone, and it is not the salvation of this world, that which seems to save and seems to provide relief, but in fact brings destruction. Instead, your salvation is sure, and it is because of Jesus Christ. We are here today, Father, to worship you, to lift up songs of praise, to pray, to go to your word, and we pray that in all of these things, your Holy Spirit would guide us so that this time would be pleasing to you, for you alone are worthy. We pray these things in Christ's name, and we also pray as he taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, before we say the Apostles' Creed, who knows computers in the balcony? Jackson Smith. You don't know computers? All right. Who, who, who knows computers? Matt, if you will go. Amanda was uh, greeting everyone and did not change a thing, and that's totally fine. If you will hit escape, right, and then scroll to the bottom, you'll see a PowerPoint symbol on the very bottom of the computer, and click it, and then you'll see a PowerPoint, oh, there's my wife, she's coming up there now. Y'all, she set a new land speed record from the nursery to the sanctuary. Somebody put out the fire in the carpet over there from where she just ran through. Amanda's got it now. This is important because, y'all, 
realize that I'm making jokes about this, but as we say the Apostles' Creed together, there's a reason that we say the Creed. We say this to affirm that which we believe, okay? To, in essence, stand up and to say these are the things that we hold near and dear to us. This is the expression of who we are and what we hold to. Can you find it? Hit Alt F4 and close everything and double click on the icon that's on the desktop. There we go. Now we got it here. Thank you very much. All righty. Now, thank you so much. Now, as we say the Apostles' Creed together, let me ask you, Christian, what is it that you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen indeed. Now let's stand together and we'll take our Green Bible Song books. The words are on the screen as we sing Psalm 100, which is number 207 in your Green Bible Song book. Grateful Adoration. Let's stand together.
Thank you very much. You may be seated. And children, please join me down front. One more coming. Come on down, buddy. It is so good to see all of you today. I hope that everybody had a wonderful week and that this coming week will be good for you, too. Now, I want to talk to you about something very important today. But first, let me ask you a question. Does anybody know what a promise is? It's something that you keep. Boy, you really just shucked the corn all the way down to the cob, Chloe. You're right. Yes. Yes, that's very true. A promise is something you keep. Now, have any of you ever made a promise? Right? Or somebody promised something to you? Yes. You know, the world is full of promises, right? When people get married, they make vows, which is like a promise. All right? Listen to them. All right? Also get older sometimes you have to sign things called contracts which those are promises too right now if you look up the definition of a promise this is what you find something that you keep Chloe but the official definition is that a promise is a declaration or assurance that somebody will do a particular thing or that a particular thing will happen now that is complicated I know okay that's a complicated thing but A promise is when somebody says that they're going to do something or when they say that something is going to happen. Now, absolutely is a word that's thrown in there. That means you can count on it. When somebody says they'll do something, they make a promise, you're supposed to be able to count on it. But has anybody ever broken a promise here? Raise your hand if you've ever broken a promise. Yes, Olivia, thank you for being us. Yes, and I'm raising my hand too because I've broken promises and I know that people have broken promises to me. The truth is that lots and lots of people make promises, but a lot of times they don't keep them. And what's it called when you break a promise? Or when you say something that isn't true? It's called lying, right? If you say you're going to do something, you might tell your mother or your father, hey, I'll do this, and then you don't do it. That's lying. Now, In the world that we live in, a lot of people make promises, but they're not very good at keeping them. And sometimes that can be us. And it can be very disappointing when people tell us that they're going to do things, but then they don't do it. But you know, God makes his promises, and God never, ever breaks his promises. And in fact, God's word is full of promises that we can absolutely count on, that we don't ever have to worry about God keeping, because God always tells the truth. I'm going to tell you a really good one. Did you know... That God promises in the Bible that he will always provide a way out of sinning. That God will always provide a way for you to do the right thing instead of the wrong thing. And when it relates to promises, God promises in the Bible that he will always give you a way to keep your promises. Listen to this. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6. It says, no temptation has come upon you except what is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way out 
so that you may be able to stand up under it. Now, that's a little hard to understand, too. But what it says is that God promises that he'll always provide a way for us to do the right thing. That means no matter how angry you are, or sad or upset you may be, or how much you want to do the wrong thing, God always gives you the opportunity to do the right thing. What we're supposed to do is see it and do the right thing. Now, the challenge for you and me is to live in light of this promise that God makes us. When we want to do the wrong thing, it can be so tempting. We want to do it so bad. But the Bible says that God is always there to help you choose to follow him. He gives us his Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus came so that we can trust in him. Now, God makes a lot of other promises in his word, and some promises are what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. But I want you to remember this promise that God always gives you a way to do the right thing instead of the wrong thing. And the rest of us should remember that too, especially me. Let me pray for you. Our Father, I thank you for these children. I thank you that your word is true. That it is full of so many promises and lots of people break promises, but you never ever do. And we are so grateful. Help us to remember your word. Help us to trust in Jesus because on our own we'll never keep all of our promises. We'll never do the right thing on our own. But with Jesus, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, with you guiding us, we can do the right thing. We can be free from sin. So please, work in our hearts and in these children's hearts. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys can go. Don't you love watching kids? They can do that combat role, and you know, Rob would be like responding to me if I did that over here on the floor. But anyway, thank you so much, kids. Now, as we take this word from the Lord that we've just heard from 1 Corinthians, let's go to the Lord in silent prayer. You might wonder, well, what do I do in silent prayer? You can do lots of things. <clears throat> it's a wonderful opportunity to take the time to confess things to the Lord, though. As we've talked about promises, I know I can think of some that I've broken, and I need forgiveness. So take this time, go to the Lord confessing your sins, and then I will lead us in the pastoral prayer. But let's go to him now. Eternal God and Heavenly Father, as you have called us into your presence now, as we are gathered here as your people and as we bask in your greatness, we are reminded of our need for forgiveness. As I've just talked with the children about the promise in your word to provide a way out that we can stand up under, so often the problem is not our seeing the way out, it's just we don't want to do what you want us to do. We'd rather do our own thing, despite the destruction that it brings, the damage that we get so wrapped up in ourselves. And yet our calling is to keep our focus on you. Our calling is to lead spirit-led lives of victory, not succumbing to the pattern of this world, but having renewed minds, knowing your will, following your will. So, Father, as we ponder these things, give us grateful hearts. 
Grateful that there is forgiveness, that our sins have been paid for in full by Jesus Christ, those of us that know and love you. Give us grateful hearts that there is the promise of guidance by your Holy Spirit, of the filling of your Holy Spirit. And Father, work in our hearts to that end. We face so many challenges in this life, challenges of the physical reality, that we battle illness. There are so many that have COVID or are recovering from COVID and, and so many that have it and don't know that they have it and, and it's just a mis- mixed up, messed up time for illness. And we pray that you would be with those that are struggling with this, that you would bring healing and comfort and restoration. Still others are recovering from surgeries. We think of Maddie and we thank you for the positive reports we've had and yet as she continues to recover, we pray that you would bless her. Watch over and protect her in this process and be with Emmett and the rest of Maddie's family as well. We think of Dale, who desperately wants to be out of the hospital but is still there, undergoing dialysis, facing treatments, different medicines, so many different factors are coming together. We pray that you would be with him, that you would bring healing and a sense of your presence and do that with Tim as well as she cares for him, as she makes the trips back and forth over the mountain. Please watch over her. And we ask that you would be merciful in these things and your will would be done. Still others face problems of other varieties. Sometimes it is dealing with consequences of sin that we have to face up to. Sometimes it is dealing with the ghost of the past where we ponder what if or why didn't or what could and what would. And it's so fruitless to go down these roads, but we go down them anyway. We pray that you would be our portion. That you would be enough. And and Father, we know that you are enough, but the allure of this world around us tells us to seek other things. Let us seek your kingdom first, as your son said, and your righteousness with understanding that all these other things would be added to us. And Father, we pray that for the church universal. You have left us in the world to be your representatives, to to point to your authenticity and to share the truth of the gospel. And yet, your church, especially in the West, has been throttled, absolutely overcome at times with sinfulness and with compromise. And we know that your son's promise is true, that he's building his church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And yet there are so many struggles. Would you bring unity Unity based not on the ideals of the world, but on the truth of Scripture so that your church would be faithful in spreading the truth of Jesus Christ. And all, Father, as we consider the world, the darkness, the evil, the loss, the wondering, the wondering, we pray that the light of Jesus Christ would shine forth in all of its fullness. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now let's continue our worship by taking our hymnals and turning to number 434 as we sing glorious things of spoken and pay attention to the lyrics as we sing them. Number 434, let's stand together as we sing.
Let's go to our Lord now. Our Father, as we have just lifted up, as it was with Israel from of old, so it is now. You provide for us in every way. We are so grateful. And now as we come to this portion of the service where we return to you out of our gratitude, I pray that you would bless the gift, that you would bless the giver, and that all of these would be used in accordance with your will. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated.
Thank you very much, choir. Again, Emmanuel, God is with us. Maybe you remember that name that we came to in our series on the names of God, and that's wonderful if you do, and that's also good because we're continuing today in our series on the names of God, and yet we are focusing on God, the Holy Spirit. Now, it's my great hope that as this series is first off, that, that as we've gone through it, that it has glorified God, that it's been pleasing to Him. But second, I hope that this series has been beneficial for you. That it has helped you grow in your relationship with the Lord. That you have a better understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. And this is my desire because I cannot stress how important it is that you both know and have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And not only for the practical reasons that we've been studying as we've made our way through this series, but for the overarching central reason that according to Romans 8, 9, the, the, the second part of the verse there, we find out that if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. The Spirit of Christ that Paul is referring to here <coughs> is the Spirit that proceeds from Christ, the Holy Spirit that points to both the Father and to Jesus God the Son. The Spirit of Christ is the counselor that Jesus said that he would ask the Father to send. There in John 14, 16. That's what, that's what our original focus was as we began our study on this section of the gospel according to John. Jesus would then go on to describe this spirit, this, this counselor, and he would call this counselor the spirit of truth. That was our focus a few weeks ago, right? The, the last time we were really together. And then if you were here with us the last time, or actually it was before that, uh, if you were here with us the last time, though, all right, you, we, you would recall how we talked about this aspect of the Spirit as the Spirit of truth. The, the Holy Spirit, the Counselor, the Spirit of truth is not just truthful. He doesn't just tell the truth. The Holy Spirit is truth itself. So much so that there is no truth apart from the Holy Spirit. There is no truth that the Holy Spirit can't point to and claim as proprietary. Now, in light of these things, in our series thus far, you may be tempted to say, well, okay, that's great. It is really good to know these things. Amen, indeed. But you may just be tempted to say that, and, and that's my concern. If you don't see how important these truths are for your life, if you don't know how important the Holy Spirit is, not just as some idea, not just as some concept floating out there that it's nice to gather and have an understanding of. If the Holy Spirit isn't integral to your life, you're missing out on so much living, you see. Last week, we got a hint at how important the Holy Spirit is. That the Holy Spirit being the, the Spirit of truth, or I should say two weeks ago, we saw that as the Spirit of truth, He leads those who belong to Christ in truth. Truth that the world cannot accept. Not because they just can't accept the truth, but because it doesn't know the Holy Spirit. And that explains the craziness of the world around us. But my friends, a relationship with the Holy Spirit, again, it's not just about being in the know. A relationship with the Holy Spirit isn't about just being informed and having the inside scoop. As the followers of Christ, if indeed you are a follower of Christ, your relationship with the Holy Spirit is of the utmost importance. And nothing illustrates this so well that's where we continue today in our study on what it means that the Holy Spirit is the counselor. And yes, again, 
We are picking up in the Gospel according to John, chapter 14. And where we come to today, so go ahead and turn there. <clears throat> but where we come to today, this is where the rubber really hits the road, as it were. We, we see why your relationship with the Holy Spirit is of the utmost importance. So go ahead and turn to John 14 with me. We're going to start reading in verse 15 of John 14. But before we read anything, we need to go to the Lord in prayer. So let's ask him for help now. Our Father, please be with us now. Help us to not only gather the information that is in your word, though that is of vast importance, help us to see the truth of your word personally. As it applies not only to life, but how we live our lives. We will never take that step without you. We will never be able to apply your word apart from the illumination the light of the Holy Spirit. So please work in our hearts now and guide us as we go to your word. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. So John chapter 14, beginning in verse 15. Hear now the word of the Lord. It says, and by the way, this is Jesus speaking here to his disciples. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commands and I will ask the Father... And he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. In a little while the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live too. On that day you will know that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. And we'll stop reading right there. May God bless the reading of his holy, inerrant, and infallible word. Amen and amen. Now, before reading today, I said that we would see why your relationship with the Holy Spirit is of the utmost importance in where we are today in God's Word. And where we see this is in the second part of our passage that as of yet, we haven't gotten to in our study. And of course, this takes place after what we have covered. Verse 16, Jesus promises to send another counselor, right? Verse 17, he says this counselor is the Spirit of truth. But then in verse 18, listen again to what Jesus said. This is where we come to. In verse 18, Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live too. Now, if you're saying, okay, not really making the connection between why the Holy Spirit is of the utmost importance. We need to be careful with this passage that we recognize the full promise here. And I say that because at first glance, all right, if we separate verses 18 to 21 from the rest of the passage, we may conclude that Jesus is simply making promises about something that's going to happen one day when he returns, namely. Now, I want to be clear about something. Most certainly, definitely, without a doubt, Jesus is making the promise here that he is coming back, okay? One day he's coming back. We don't know when he is, but when he does, 
everything that's wrong is going to be made right. The dead in Christ will rise first. Jesus will judge the world. All those who are in him will be taken to heaven. Okay, all of those things are true. And what I'm about to say doesn't negate any of that. But if that's the only thing you take from this passage, that Jesus is talking about something that's going to happen one day, someday, then you're going to miss the fullness of the promise and you'll miss why your relationship with the Holy Spirit is of the utmost importance. Now, why do I say this? Realize where these promises are situated in God's word, right? Realize where our passage is situated. We're in chapter 14, but if you were to go to the end of chapter 13, you find that Jesus is in a conversation with Peter. And first Peter speaks. He says, Lord, Simon Peter said to him, where are you going? Now listen to Jesus' answer. Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Now, admittedly, this is a little bit cryptic. Now, we have the wholeness of God's word, right? We know that Jesus is talking about his coming crucifixion, his resurrection, all these different things. He's also referencing the kind of death that Peter's going to die. Peter, of course, who's in this conversation, he doesn't know these things. But very clearly, Jesus is referencing that. But it's with these things in mind that Jesus starts making promises, not about what happens at the end of the world, not about what only happens when he's crucified, but he makes other promises too. It's with this in mind that Jesus begins chapter 14 by saying, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And then eventually we come to the start of our passage where yet again, Jesus promises to ask God to send another counselor. And so all along in this, as Jesus reveals more and more about what's going to happen, his crucifixion, his resurrection, and so forth, he keeps making promises, and he keeps offering comfort. The way that he does that is through the promise of the counselor. Now, it's in this context. It's because of all these promises, including the promise that he would one day come back, that Jesus promised in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. But I hope that you see because of this that this isn't just about the end. And my friends, I hope you see why your relationship with the Holy Spirit is so important. The only way that Jesus could make this profit, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. The only way he could do this is because of the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. When Jesus says, I will not leave you, he's talking about the other counselor that he's asking God to send. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, not someday, today, right now, at this moment. And if you doubt this, if you say, well, no, no, Jesus is talking about his promise to return one day. If you think that, then realize the duality of our passage. Yes. Jesus is promising that one day he's going to come back and take his people to be with him. But y'all, Jesus isn't just talking about the end of time in chapter 14. Jesus is talking about the present. He's talking about life in him, what it means to know him and follow him. That's why he goes on to say what he does in verses 18 and following, or 19 and following. Again, he says, in a little while, the world will no longer see me. We know, pause for a second. We know that he's talking about his arrest, his crucifixion, his resurrection, and his ascension, where he goes back to heaven to be with the Father. 
This is what he says. In a while, the world will no longer see me. But you will see me. And if you say, well, yeah, he's talking about the second coming when he comes back. No, no. He follows it up by saying, because I live, you will live too. Then he moves to the end day, right? On that day, you will know that I'm in my Father, you are in me, and I'm in you. But do you see the duality of what Jesus is saying here? He's definitely talking about the last day when he returns, but he's also talking about life then, now, because I live, you will live too. I think I've mentioned this before. You know, one of my favorite books out there is by an author called Larry McMurtry. He, he writes westerns, but he's not of the typical vein, right? He, he actually wrote a, uh, it would become a, a television miniseries, um, and they've had follow-up uh, series based on the books, but it's, it's a book called Lonesome Dove and the TV series that had Tommy Lee Jones and uh, Robert Duvall in it. Just fabulous, right? The story goes that they were both Texas Rangers, and they helped settle Texas, but after their ranger fame, they became cattlemen of sorts, and they started to run this dried-up old ranch on the border of Texas and Mexico. And it was in a little town called Lonesome Dove, hence the name. Well, life was just going. They were growing older and older, and suddenly Woodrow F. Call, right? Former ranger got it in his mind to gather up a herd of cattle and go to the unsettled Montana territory, right? It was unexplored, unsettled. Now, you have to understand the main characters to get the point of what I'm leading to here. Um, Woodrow F. Call, which was played by Tommy Lee Jones on the right, he was the one that was all about business, right? Very serious, type A personality, hard worker, quiet, introverted. Augustus McRae, or Gus, he was the talker, right? Loud personality, funny, outgoing. He preferred recreation to work, and he really lived life, Okay. Well, after they gathered this herd of cattle, they decided to embark. And, and a lot of the townspeople from Lonesome Dove decided to go with them because Lonesome Dove was drying up as a town. Fewer and fewer people were there. there was, I think there was one saloon and one store. Well, one of the people that decided to tag along with them was a woman named Lorena. Now, Woodrow Call didn't want a woman as part of the cattle train for a lot of reasons. And, and he and Gus were arguing about it. Got it. And at the, the kind of the head of the argument, Gus asked Woodrow, if you were a young man with your whole life before you, would you want to die in Lonesome Dove? Now, Woodrow Call responded that Lorena, the young woman, could die anywhere. It might as well be Lonesome Dove. And Gus responded by saying, Woodrow, you just don't understand anything. You don't ever get the point. It ain't dying I'm talking about. It's living. Oh, I've made this point before, but I've got to make it again. If you're going to understand this, you, what, what we're reading here, this promise of Jesus, if you're going to understand why and how the Holy Spirit works, you've got to understand this. Christianity is not about dying. It's about living. Christianity isn't about some eternal fire insurance policy that one day you cash in. It's not just about any sort of life. It's about living right now. Y'all, Jesus said if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed in John 8, 36. In John 10, 10, Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Like our passage. Like this promise from Jesus. These verses, 
Yes, they point to eternal life and what's going to happen someday when Jesus comes back. But they point to right now, to today. Like I said, faith in Christ isn't about one day. It's about today. And so are its benefits. One of the reasons I think that Christianity has has fallen so far behind in the West is that somewhere along the way we got this idea that Christianity is just about something that's going to happen, so you better be real careful in life because you don't want to die and go to hell. But y'all, how many people are living in hell right now because the life that they lead is miserable? It's drudgery. It's slavery. Look at the world around you and the things that people fall into. Look at your own life. I can with mine. I can see times that I've been deceived. And it was just drudgery. And no, I'm not making light of hell. It's not, when life is like that, it's not the same torment as eternal torment and hell. But the point I'm making is, is that if we just have in our mind that Christianity is about something that's going to happen sometime, how compelling of a message is that to a world that's lost, not sometime, but to a world that's lost today? To a world that is struggling right now. And if you're struggling right now, make sure that you haven't forgotten that Christianity isn't about what's going to happen sometime, but that Christianity is about what you do today. Yes, these verses point to the end of time when all is made right, but the means by which God does this, the the power by which Christ leads and guides you, It's the Counselor. It's the Holy Spirit. And if you still doubt, that's what Jesus is really saying here. Look at how chapter 14 ends. At the end of 14, Jesus is having a conversation with Judas. Not Judas Iscariot, the one that would betray him. It's the other Judas. After answering some questions about how Jesus would reveal himself to him, right? which, which, side note, would be through the Holy Spirit, ultimately, Jesus went on to say, look at verse 25. Jesus said, I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've told you. You tell me, do you think he's talking about something that's going to happen at the end of time or something that was real at that point in their existence? You know the answer to that. And because of this, we see why the Holy Spirit is the counselor. We see why your relationship with the Holy Spirit is of the utmost importance. When it comes to the lies and the deception of the world around you, when it comes to how life works, how you can get so bogged down in the day-to-day that you blink and another year is gone, another decade is gone. When it comes to making your way through this existence, while we wait on God either calling us home or Jesus coming back, It is the Holy Spirit that goes with us every single day, but not as some sort of shaman, not like some protective amulet that we wear, not as an insurance policy that we keep tucked away, but instead the Holy Spirit is our teacher who reminds us, who goes along with us, teaches and reminds us of what? Y'all, the Holy Spirit brings comfort in times of mourning direction in times of confusion conviction in times of waywardness joy in times of sorrow perspective and vision in times of difficulty 
protection in times of warfare, empowerment in times of weakness, truth in a world full of lies. And this is just to name a few. And this ain't about what's going to happen. It's about what can happen for you today. Chip with the Holy Spirit? And maybe a better thing to ask is, what kind of relationship do you have with the Holy Spirit? As I said when I started this particular series on the names of the Holy Spirit, I, I found that most churches spend a whole lot of time on Jesus, God the Son, a whole lot of time on God the Father, but sadly, very little time on God the Holy Spirit. And what a tragedy that is, given what Jesus tells you the Spirit does. The fact that the Spirit is God with you. As you consider this question, let me say that a relationship with the Spirit is only had again through Christ because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. So if you have Christ, you do have the Holy Spirit. But that's why I'm asking, what kind of relationship do you have? Just because you've got the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that you listen to the Spirit. It doesn't necessarily mean that you are teachable by the Spirit. It doesn't mean that you don't quench the Spirit. Treating the Holy Spirit, uh, the metaphor I used before when we first got started was some people treat the Holy Spirit like a cosmic AAA card. You just keep it tucked away until you got a flat tire or need a jump or you lock your keys in your car and then you say, oh, well, I'll just call this number right here and everything will be fine. Some people do that with the Holy Spirit, but what a waste. What you're missing out on if that's your existence. Oh, as, you, as we continue in this series, we're going to talk more about having a relationship with the Spirit. But where that relationship starts is with truth. And the Spirit of truth always starts with truth. You're being truthful with the Spirit about who you are, what your sin is. He knows anyway. So being truthful about your desire for the Spirit to fill you and guide you. And as we close this week, let me encourage you to do just that. Examine your life what it really is. Look to the past and explore whether you have sin that you need to confess, something you need to make right, and do it. The Holy Spirit knows. Ask Him to guide you. You can do that, you know. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to show you the truth, the worst truth of all, which is the truth about yourself but it's also the most glorious because it is in this that we see the Holy Spirit transformed and we see that life can really be lived to the fullest. So if you have Jesus, do that. And if you know that you don't have Jesus, that you don't know Him, turn to Him today. Ask Him to be Lord of your life and you will. And if you don't know how to do that or you want to talk about that, come and see me. I'll be under the portico. We will get that squared away. But if you've done that, <clears throat> consider your relationship with the Spirit and realize the life that is available in Jesus Christ through Him alone. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank You for the gift of Your Spirit that we don't just have to make our way through. That in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the strife, there is victory. There is life in the midst of darkness, but only by Your Spirit. Please work in our hearts, open our eyes, let your spirit fill us in this place so much so that it's contagious. 
and the world would see you through us. If there are any here that don't know you, please work in their hearts now. And I pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. Now as we close, let's stand together and turn again in our Bible song book. Hopefully this one is familiar to you. And again, pay attention as we sing Bible song 188, Under His Wings. Stand with me as we sing.
In just a moment, I'd ask you to please remain standing for the choral response, but receive now the benediction. May the grace and the peace and the mercy and the love and the fellowship of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit be upon you, both now and forevermore. Amen.